Today on The Future of Fandom, we teach you a lesson. My name's Adam Connor. I'm your host, and on this episode, we learn about the consumerization of education and its future at the primary level with Age of Learning and their chief innovation officer and head of mastery and adaptive product, Sunil Gundaria. It's no secret that one of the most disrupted arenas over the last few years has been the classroom. Alongside that, tech has evolved from forced Zoom rooms to increasingly individualized programs, giving children a new lease on their learning life. Sunil has seen that firsthand and believes this proliferation of disparate educational content will only continue and broaden for our youngest students going forward. Of course, that individualized, disaggregated approach brings up questions of retaining educational communities and the camaraderie that results from early schooling. And we get some insight there as well. We also think about fandom in this way, not in the typical consumer lens we've been used to so far on this show. So open your books and your ears, and let's predict the future with Age of Learning and Sunil Gundaria. Neil, thank you so much for joining me. Good to be talking to you, actually, again. But how are you? Great to be talking to you, Adam. It's uh, it's a great spring, and uh, we're we're all looking forward to uh, uh, whatever this new normal is is starting to become. Excited about it. You want to know the sad truth? I ha- I recently moved slightly more north from where I used to live, and um, today it's roughly mid-April for the listeners because this will come out a little bit after that. Uh, it was full-on snowing here. Middle of April. Did not expect that. Uh, some choices. It was a choice you made, Adam. And, and uh, Yeah, I guess I <laughs> I just hadn't seen it before. So it was like, oh God, I guess I'm, I'm learning something new every day. Good segue. You'll really appreciate the summer even more then. I'm sure I will. Yeah. It's all about perspective. Um, but these are, these are teaching moments and we're about to have some more right here because this will be the first time on our show that we have talked about this very broad topic of fandom and what it means and what it is uh, within education and specifically within educating our future collectively. Um, I want to talk about that in a second, but first for the listener who may be unaware, could you very briefly explain what Age of Learning is? Absolutely. So Age of Learning uh, is the company best known for ABC Mouse. And that's what we started with, which is it's a, it's a we're a provider of digital education programs with a mission to ensure that all students or all kids achieve academic success and really develop a lifelong love of learning. Our product, ABC Mouse, has been used by over 30 million children and has earned the trust of parents who have made it a leading early educational digital resource in the U.S. And as a company, we're focused on ensuring that all kids can achieve proficiency in, in any subject and also develop uh, develop a, a truer learning identity, which I think we'll talk about more as we get into what does it mean in terms of uh, agency and in terms of around your learning and, and developing uh, a fandom around learning. So I will get to uh, the, the two F words we talk about on the show, future and fandom in a moment, but I got to ask, you know, I have seen the trends change towards education like 
more appropriate to my age, would now be in you know several years out of school. It's mostly about secondary learning. It's mostly about continued education, a lot of times offered by by businesses. So at, at the higher levels of education, so much more availability in it now outside of the classroom digital offerings, teachers who are actually experts in their field rather than just career professors. And I'd be interested to know if you all have noticed that. And if anything, is there an application to younger forms of education? Correct. I think there's there's a couple of uh, questions there that uh, maybe I can address separately, starting with uh, the trend. And, and you've very well and correctly identified the what I would call the consumerization of 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 learning, and a lot of that is being driven by the rapid change that we're seeing overall in in society, where learning isn't a limited to what you do through K twelve or through college or, or or get your it's not degree oriented. Um, one of the 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 trends that uh, we're seeing out there is that um, you know 50% of our workforce is, over the next few years is going to need to develop new skills to continue to be relevant in their jobs. Their jobs are likely to change, you know, quite substantially. And as you think about the need from our educational systems and from when you're a youngest learner, it is to is to instill that a love of learning that helps you identify as a learner. And that is something we've done from the get-go with ABC Mouse and even our new products that we're developing is that not only do we want a child to um, succeed within a, a core academic subject, we want them to develop the, the their core belief in their and their ability as a learner and being able to approach any new situation as, uh, or, or a new challenge as not something that, oh, I can't do this because I don't know how to do it, but rather I just don't know how to do that yet. And, and through a process of learning, I can really become a master of that topic as well. Something that I talk about consumeration of, of education, and, and that's a really fantastic way to put it. Um, as a result of that, I, and again, I'm looking at this from the lens of somebody who's mostly been through the schooling system and most of it now is just elective, can pick and choose to find that education where I want, pick and choose who I learn from, what I learn. Everything is on me. I'm able to choose it all. I, like, how do you foresee that like applying to like that specific agency of like the learner themselves? applying to somebody who is going through education for the first time, like like a kid. I mean, you know, I, I think about they just go into the school system. It's largely dictated to them. Like, do um, you have any thoughts about that? I'm curious. Definitely do. And it's something that we've been working on for the last seven years. And it, it really looks at recasting the role of how education is delivered. And if, you know, if you think about it, Adam, like when you or I went through our education, certainly our early education, we went somewhere that was based on time and seat where it was a one size fits all model. And teaching is based on expectations of what 
an average student is expected to learn during a year. And, and what we find, and, and, and the results are clear that this model is broken as, as even within our youngest learners, 60% of them are not achieving proficiency in math or reading by the time they're in fourth grade. And if they come from a low income household, it's 75% plus, you know, so there is this problem with this one size fits all model that doesn't allow for agency and doesn't recognize what all parents and teachers know, which is that every child is unique and that we need, there are certain things we all need to learn as humans. And certainly this early learning where we're learning math skills and, and, and reading skills are really important. But what is clear from the research is that best systems adapt instruction to each student where our role as educators is not to measure growth or progress by time spent, but rather ensure that students master the materials they need to learn. And this is exactly what we've been building over the last seven years. It's a personalized mastery learning system that tailors instructions for a student's individual needs. And we patent this technology that, that adapts in real time to what a child's learning needs are independent of their age or their grade level, but it's rather based on what they know and what they need to learn. And um, our first product, My Math Academy, is out on the market now. And My Reading Academy is coming to market uh, by this fall as well. Yeah, the My Math Academy is something I'm, I'm going to ask about in a minute because I know that you've obviously, you, you have the, the service, the offering out there, um, but it's backed by some pretty incredible findings and data. I do want to talk about that in a moment. The first thing I want to ask about is, okay, every student is different. That much is clear you can very easily personalize an experience in education and build a community of disaggregated experience via that manipulable tech. Does that, in your eyes, shift the stigma of homeschooling or other alternatives to traditional school? Obviously, people have had to work and learn in a remote context by force since 2020. In-school learning thus has changed from that perspective but in the meantime, have these different enablements and empowerments of learners um, removed some of the hesitation around doing it from home as a standard? You know, I, I'll answer that question with the understanding, and I think we all have it, that learning happens everywhere. It happens in the world around us. It happens at home and it can happen at school. And yes, I think one of the key takeaways from, from the pandemic has been that we can deliver what has been standardly standard education, which is expected to occur within the walls of a of a school anywhere. And, and what technology enables us to do is to follow that learning journey, um, you know, especially with, with the products that we have, whether it happens in school, whether it happens at home, whether it happens if a child is on vacation uh, with their family, that we're able to track that learning happening and inform both teachers and parents where the child is in their learning trajectory, independent of the location where they're at. Hmm. That's fascinating. Um, regardless of where they're at, they can get access to high quality stuff. Because you can get it anywhere, how then do you help to create a community of learners who may be learning on their own? Uh, how do you bring together these people? I mean, we'll trickle into phantom a little bit there, but uh, how do you... How do you provide that connection in a world where people maybe are becoming increasingly disconnected thanks to the tech? That's really been the the 
fascinating uh, part of, uh, of the research that we've been developing. Uh, so, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, our core platform is this personalized mastery learning system. Uh, we've written several papers on how do we expand that system to include the broader community that is oriented around the learner. And what I mean by that, and, and, I, and I alluded to it, is so, so as a student experiences, let's say, My Math Academy, one, you know, they develop a, a, a love for learning math in a very contextual way versus a notational or abstracted way through the system. So there's, there's cute characters called the shapies in there that they're helping solve problems with. So they feel like they're a part of, they see the opportunity to apply math to problem solving with the, the way we've written the narrative and the story. And as I was talking about, so as that data gets, uh, gets generated in terms of where it, it, each individual child is in their learning trajectory, we then share that data with, with a teacher. So let's look at what may happen in a classroom. And, and not only do we share it with a teacher, we offer the teacher um, suggestions in terms of what a teacher may do with that child to take that learning that's happened within the context of our program into the real world and apply real world examples and help transfer that. Our system also organizes other children or other students for the teacher that may be in a similar level so that they can engage in group activities and, and create a shared learning experience around a specific objective where that each of those students is at the right place to learn based on what they already know. So rather than try to assume there's a mean within this context of a classroom, we actually do know that there is a opportunity to build community within that you know, specific learning objective and, and, and experience peer learning in that way. So let's get to a specific example because I found this fascinating and I think speaks well to the future of what this education could look like. It's about My Math Academy. You mentioned that earlier, one of the offerings that you have now available. And you did a study in Texas, which basically proved out how quickly somebody can learn even more so than their expected trajectory. I don't want to tease too much out. So could you just explain that and the power of what this can mean for the future of, of a primary ed? Yeah, I, I absolutely. And, you know, it, it, and it builds upon our research basis. Uh, we've written and presented over 40 papers on what we've been doing. We have uh, something called ESSA, um, a tier one uh, level from, from the Department of Education. Effectively, we've proven in the past that our program works. And so during the pandemic, we, we ran a pilot study in a, 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 a Texas district uh, called Harlingen, it's uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. The district itself is, is quite diverse. Uh, the majority of the kids are from low-income families. They're uh, what is referred to in in education as majority Title I. That is, the majority of the kids in that school district are get pre or reduced price lunches. Where the community is located, we do have a lot of English language learners in that community as well. And a lot of the parents uh, don't don't have a lot of means. So what we found that this was during the pandemic. So we we launched this pilot in fall of 2020. And um, what we found there is that despite 
it being a low income district. And despite what you're hearing nationally about how kids are falling behind, uh, 98% of the students that use the program regularly achieved grade level readiness. And even more interesting, and it, and it talks about the, the potential of technology in the classroom, 20% of the students demonstrated they were capable of mastering skills at an entire grade level above their current grade. So these were four-year-olds. They were pre-K kids who were doing math at a first grade level or above. And the amazing thing was that the teachers had not taught them the skills. They had learned these skills through the program, uh, through my math academy. And what was a great understanding for the teachers is that there's this incredible amount of potential that we can unlock by moving away from a one-size-fits-all education system and really developing and, and helping not only all kids get to proficiency, but well beyond proficiency and have the agency to continue to grow and develop based on what their, their abilities are. It's fascinating to think about how that study uh, proved so much about its uh, nationwide and indeed global potential speaks a lot to the future. But before I ask about that and where you foresee this world going, let's talk about that fandom. Because on this show so far, we've spoken with uh, sports leaders. We've spoken with leaders in fintech. We've dived into e-commerce. We haven't really done so in education. And maybe it's my perception of that forced nature of like, well, you go to school where you're zoned to do so. That makes me reluctant to say, well, can you really be a fan of a school in the experience? As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to say that most students going through it, you have that stereotype of like, oh, I don't like going to school. And, you know, maybe you only develop that fandom once you uh, look at it with rose-colored glasses in hindsight. I'm curious how you think about that word and how you define it in the lens of what you do. Yeah, it's, it's um, and I referred to it before, it's this idea of metacognition. And, and what I mean by that is that this development of this learner identity that I can be an expert of, in math and, and I can love a subject area because I have this idea within me that I can learn something new. And what I like to characterize that with is this, we're driven in a world where so many more want to be purpose-driven and want meaningful existence and meaningful work in terms of what they do during the day. And if we can establish at a really young age that this confidence in my own skills and my own abilities to tackle new challenges and problems and, and then have a child as they grow up, you know, see that there are challenges in the world that exist and problems that need to be solved and that they have this capability of taking on these challenges because they, they've they instilled in themselves that they are learners and, and anything that is ahead of them that they don't know yet is something that they can learn about, uh, become an expert about, you know, use the great social media networks that are available to reach to others that have the same passions and really come together, learn together, ignite around these passions and solve uh, solve problems that really benefit society in general. So uh, that's just an interesting way to think about it. You know, fa fans often consume, but really this is, uh, this is just a slightly, this is a slightly different lens. So it's, it's fascinating to think about. Now, to the other word, 
you have seen with the offerings that you've given and the studies linked therein, how powerful it can be despite the consumerization of education, despite the fact that content has become disaggregated and that's trickling down, and despite the fact that that might even lead to options which are outside of a classroom altogether. The importance to build that camaraderie amongst learners, that community, and and to personalize, to better everyone's individual track um, is not going away. In fact, that'll probably become more important over time as disciplines further specialize. What do you foresee for the future of the educational experience? And I know that's huge and we can riff here for a little while, but I got to ask. Absolutely. And and it, it's a... I think we're still so in the early days, and I think the pandemic even proved it. And even with a lot of the new platforms, um, we're still in this in this phase and, and this and ahead of what the future of education is going to be. And I really feel like, and what I mean by that, let, let me let me give you like what happened during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, in in many cases the natural reference point was what happened in the classroom. And, and what I mean by that is that we, we replicated uh, through Zoom. So we used technology. Kids weren't in a classroom, but they were at home. They were distributed. But we tried to largely, in a lot of classrooms, just use that same model where there is the teacher, the sage on the stage, who is now trying to instruct a group of kids at home um, outside of you know the confines of the classroom, and which is really difficult for young kids and for older kids as well. That is just recasting uh, a small bit of what can happen as we think about the future and what we're doing with our personalized mastery learning system is that it's really re-envisioning completely the kernel of how learning happens. And in our in our system, it's a game-based system. And we use games to set up the context, which I which I talked about earlier, for the learning to happen so that the primary learning for every child is happening through the context of, of what they're seeing in front of them. It's individualized to them and their progress is based on and, and their trajectory is based on how they're performing. There's instruction that's delivered through the game. There is just-in-time feedback to the child. And what I mean by that we're assessing as they go. And when they come across an assessment and if they don't understand something, we are providing real-time feedback or the system is providing real-time feedback to that child in terms of not just the answer or saying they're wrong or right, but actually strategies on how they would potentially approach that problem. What do they already know? And we know this through the system they've learned that they could apply to what they're seeing there um, that really gives them the opportunity to progress and be instructed like a and in this from a system perspective it's like what a tutor would do in one to one so a lot of the what is very difficult to scale from a human perspective which is one to one instruction we're able to replicate through uh, a program like my math academy and again then the then it gives the the adults teachers parents a different role because we can help them take that data like I was talking about and transfer it to new problem sets. So, you know, for a parent at home, it can be as simple as you've learned, I see through the system, uh, Jenny, that you've learned to, to count to 100. Do you want to do with that with me? And just to 
reward and kind of intrinsically motivate a child because now they're getting some immediate feedback that my learning is important, my parents care about it, and it's something that I want to do because it makes me feel good. So it's really re-envisioning the role of both what software can do and what the adults or or the humans in the room can do in terms of, of their roles and really enhancing them, enhancing the roles so that more and more can be done through the software and more value-added work can be done by the humans. And I think that's where the future of education is going to go. Let me ask you another question, which I, I asked on another one of, our, one of our episodes recently, and I, I just thought was an interesting reverse way to look at it. Uh, could you fill in a blank if I said the future of education will definitely not include blank? What would that blank be? I think the future, that's a great question. I think the future of education will not be time limited. I think we're going to allow um, time and place limited, let's say that. Um, we're going to recognize and allow for the opportunity for education to, to happen anywhere and be dictated by systems. I think the future of education, I can definitely say the future of education will not be textbook, uh, textbook driven. That's interesting too. No, no replace. I mean, the replacement obviously being digital. Um, God, the end of textbooks to tell you what, as a college student, I would have loved that. <laughs> so it would have saved you many, many thousands of dollars. Yeah, if we can install that early, all the better. Hey, thanks for giving me this education here for now. It's it's always good to learn about the future of something, but in this world, which which I've been separated from for a little while, it's great to get the the voice of an expert here. Um, those stories that you've told me right here about the various ways in which you're accelerating and individualizing education is uh, incredibly important. And uh, I hope the future starts with you all. So uh, thanks very much, Sunil, for joining us and, and, and taking us all to school. Thanks, Adam. It's always great talking to you. Thanks again to Sunil Gundaria from Age of Learning for joining us. You know, as more students of the future find their roots in this digitized, disaggregated type of learning, I predict a bit of an identity problem for the legacy universities of today down the road. Bit of food for thought there. And thanks to you, of course, the listener, for exploring the future of fandom with us. I'd encourage you to stay connected. So here's what you do. Livelike.com slash podcast, where you'll find all of our episodes and transcripts of those episodes. You can read along. You can also subscribe to The Future of Fandom wherever you listen. And socially, we're on LinkedIn at LiveLike and Twitter at LiveLikeInc. I look forward to predicting the future again with you real soon. And until then, I'm Adam Connor saying so long and thanks for being a fan. <laughs>